Emily, here's to 10 episodes. We made it 10 episodes. Cheers. Cheers. <clears throat> Mine was fine. They made those a lot sweeter when we were in college. Can't say I've made one in a while. Ooh. Oh, I miss Dickies. Mm. You look uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Woo! I, I did equal parts. Let's record a podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode 10 of the Butts and the Seeds podcast, where we discuss the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW. Mm-hmm. I realize we haven't actually said what we do in a little while. You're right, we haven't. <laughs> we probably should. Yeah, the first episode one, I tried to have this whole, like, ooh, I'm going to... Uh, you know, have a, have a nice, like, rhyming and kind of poetic thing, and I'm just like, eh. You were trying to be poetic? I don't remember this. Yeah, poetic, but I was trying to be referential. Fair. Okay. It's a learning process. We made it ten episodes. We've learned so much. Like, the mics have to be plugged in to it, record. Yes. If you listen to episode nine, uh, I don't know how <laughs> noticeable it is, because I'm only halfway through the edit. But uh, that was our second take on that, because we were adjusting the mics, and one of them became unplugged. And what an episode to have to record twice. Yes, we didn't real we didn't realize until we were... Oh God, we were right before the hardcore match mm, we were on Raw. Pretty far in. We were at two and a half hours in, so <sighs> I have headphones on today, monitoring everything. <laughs> Who knew that you would need headphones and to check the audio on a podcast while you're recording it? Who knew? you're listening to it either well we only have one pair of headphones we've established this we're doing our best we haven't invested that much money in this <laughs> so it's the january 11th 1999 monday nitro the first nitro <laughs> after the finger poke of doom yeah still not over that yeah it which... comes up in this episode too and i'm not over it well it kind of, it doesn't come up for a while in this episode they are really trying to sidestep what the fuck they did yeah I feel, we talked about it while we were watching and we were thinking like oh maybe they knew how bad it was perceived so maybe they're just gonna pretend it didn't happen but no there's a whole segment about it later so we peeked into thunder first the thunder in between january 4th and january 11th i forget what day i guess that would have been the seventh it's on thunder. the ninth is in my head no because that would have been saturday okay, i think it's the seventh and we're like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll have to peek into this and just see because holy shit, a major thing just happened and like the NWO is mm-hmm. merged. Like, okay, how are they going to address this? And they kind of don't. Yeah, we really <laughs> skipped through that thunder. I don't remember much of it. Well, we were just kind of like, oh, this is nothing. Well, we Skip were like, okay, one. yeah, we'll we'll peek where it's appropriate. And then when we peeked, it's like, cool, this is 30 seconds. And I'm like, right. Okay. They don't really talk about why it happened. No, they really... On Thunder? Just in general. No, they don't. They just came back together. They decided it was fine. Yeah, the... I I think that the finger poke kind of... I recognize that one was like a catalyst for the other, but the finger poke kind of, I think, took the light from all the NWOs like coming together. I realize that that is all of them coming together, but they kind of glance over like, oh, now we're everybody. Now we're all together now. I think part of that is because... On Thunder and on this Nitro, it's really unclear who the fuck is still in and who's not and who they're kicking out. Yeah, 
That's true. And especially because, again, there were three guys in the wolf pack, so it doesn't feel like a huge... I it guess yeah, it maybe feel like a merge. Four, if you want to count Scott Hall. I don't think I do. But he, I mean, he's back in the NWO, so. Yeah. I also just learned through conversation last night that the Outsiders is also a NWO, you know, offset. It's not really an offshoot. It was just like, it's kind of like how the New Age Outlaws are part of DX. I didn't realize it was an NWO thing until we talked the other night. So Don't worry. There will be plenty more self-indulgent NWO talk. But no. before we get into that, our, uh, you heard our first celebration of 10 episodes. Oh, yeah. If you didn't hear it, we took a shot. In case you didn't get that. I was trying to leave it understated. <laughs> I thought it would also be appropriate for us to uh, go through our boys' stables. So if you're unfamiliar with what a boys' stable is... It is a list of like four to five wrestlers that you like, but the condition is that they it has to be people you're a little more ashamed of liking. Like they <laughs> they cannot be world champions, but very like I think there's four people who are I think there are four people who are exceptions to that role. So they're like your guilty pleasure wrestlers, more or less. Okay. Yeah, they the short version is like they can't be all that well respected. Like Dean Malenko never won a world championship, but like Dean Malenko is not a boy, right? Dean Lingo is one of the best wrestlers in the world. So, would you like to go first? Are we going to do our whole list or are we going to go back and forth? I think do the whole list. It works a little better. Okay. So, number one on my list is basically the love of my life. When I saw this man at first, I was like, that is my boy. And it is Scotty Too Hotty. Scotty Too Hotty. So Scotty Too Hotty. Just Scotty Too Hotty. Not, not uh, too cool. Not too cool. No. No Grand Master Sex <laughs> Love the name. Love the vibe. Scotty Too Hotty is my boy. It's been asked many times, how does one become a grandmaster in sexiness? Or sorry, sex-a. Yeah, sex-a-ness. Uh, number two on my list is D'Lo Brown and his shaky head, Mr. Bobblehead. It was nice to see him last week. Although it was. It was nice to see him and then it was not nice to see him very quickly. Yeah. I still miss him. I still love his bobbly head. Uh, number three is um, Billy Kidman. Now, Ooh. is is this purely from our podcast, or or this start on SmackDown? This started from our podcast. I didn't really think anything of him when he was on the WWE TV, because, like, I think I've said this before, I don't like the undies look. And I don't think that Billy Kidman looks good in just undies. I think he needs the, like, grungy look, and I love his grungy look in WCW. But, like, is he a boy? He's, he's oh, yeah. like, big enough. Mm. No? He's... We are on. We are seeing his peak right now. On WCW, that's peak. Oh, yeah, poor guy. We're watching WCW and we're watching SmackDown in 2002, and there's no upward mobility because who has he recently been teaming with in WCW? Rey Mysterio. What is Rey doing in SmackDown in 2002? He's feuding with Kurt Angle and among the main oh, eventers. Yeah, yeah. What's Billy Kidman doing? Nothing. Billy Kidman's not on TV. <laughs> So, Billy. yeah, we're seeing peak Billy Kidman. But yeah, I love Billy Kidman in WCW. He's like one of my favorites to watch. And honestly, that is, I think that honestly speaks to how much of your boy he is. We're like, I, I don't know, he might be too good. And it's like, no, he's not. <laughs> I respect him too much. Uh, number four is Crash Holly. He's just always so fun to see. And I get so excited when he just appears. Because like, there was a time on WWE TV that like, he was not on for a while. And then he just like appears in a... Um, I think it was like a hardcore battle royal or something along those lines. Yes. Oh. He just emerged from the crowd. And I was like, that's great. 
Yeah, that was um, oh, those WrestleMania 18 hardcore kind of matches because that leads to the backstage segment of I think it was the Hurricane just comes in on a rope on a rope <laughs> just into the boxes and then yeah. disappears. <laughs> it's just a swinging kick on a rope. And my last spot goes to not just one person but two because it head is, cheese as yeah. a whole. It is a tag team. Head cheese as a whole. Steve Blackman and Al Snow. I love Al Snow. He's one of the first wrestlers along with Mick Foley that I was like was really into when we started watching wrestling and then we started watching um tough enough where he became like a mentor and a coach on there and i just loved him more and yeah he's fun and steve blackman is just a terrifying man and i love him yeah we had to have a, t- a talk during your thing because you were like oh is edge a boy it's like no edge is like a 12-time <laughs> world champion is mcfoley a boy i'm like no multi-time world champion and also one of the most respected men ever because i think when first explained this to me you were like it's like your favorite wrestlers i was like oh okay so edge and mcfoley <laughs> you're trying to think who else you like that was like doesn't have the world championship but he's like too respected to be a boy Re- jericho like, jericho's won multiple world champions okay well i don't know we haven't we haven't seen him win one have we oh yes we did we saw him he was the, the f- rock he was the first ever undisputed yeah, undisputed he yeah. made evented wrestlemania <laughs> listen i know it was forgettable but it, it wasn't that forgettable <laughs> As soon as I said it, I remember. Don't you remember when Triple H was feuding with Stephanie McMahon and happened to face Chris Jericho in the main event at WrestleMania? No, I do. I do remember this. And they, like, killed off a dog as part of the story. Oh, God, yeah. He, like, ran over his dog. All right. All right. So your boys. My boys. I think we will see one of them eventually because, yeah, everybody else doesn't, uh, doesn't come over. Most of your boys are, like past where we're watching in wwf aren't they only two of them are really? oh. yeah i thought more were no um so we, we the first one of these we actually have the exception of they were a one-time world champion but it was like the world heavyweight championship when wwe didn't really give a shit about the belt so they have been they have been deemed by osw official exceptions okay there are like four of them it's like great colleague jinder mahal uh dolph ziggler and then my boy, Jack Swagger. Oh, of course. Love me some Jack Swagger. See, like, I don't know Jack Swagger all that well. I mean, he debuts in, in WWE CW in like 2008. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's way down like, we're only in 2002. Yeah. You've seen him win Money in the Bank because he's the one who took like two minutes to get the thing off and he was the only one on the ladder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a little embarrassing. That's your boy? You picking him? That's my boy. All right. <laughs> I was I was so excited for him when he won that too. Like, yes! All two minutes of him trying to get that thing off. Well, we go from that embarrassing Money in the Bank story to my second boy, which is Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy! Who won Money in the Bank and then lost the briefcase to Edge. In the same night, right? No, it wasn't the same night. It was uh, like two months later because they're like, you have a shoulder injury. We need to get the, the briefcase off you. So then they did it and then they get a second opinion. It's like, no, you're fine. It's like... And Edge had already cashed in by then. Yeah, he's another one of those boys that we don't see in our current run. So this is what I mean. Like, yeah, I may have seen them, but I don't, we're not, like, actively watching them. Yeah. But you get so excited when Mr. Kennedy comes on the screen. I love his shit. It doesn't matter what we're watching. If we're watching, like, a Royal Rumble from later down the line or just some weird little match and he's just there. Like, it's Mr. Kennedy! Next up, we have the big boss man. He's your boy? He's one of my boys. But Pepper on the pole! I'll take that, though. I do love the boss man. After that, we have somebody we will eventually see, and I'm, like, scared to show you any matches of, which is Mike Awesome. Oh. Actually, you guys have seen him in, in terms of the invasion, but... Uh, yeah, the name sounds that familiar, was, but... Invasion Mike Awesome is not Mike Awesome. 
Michael Awesome just hitting dirty power bombs on Masato Tanaka is Mike Awesome. <laughs> I'll take your word for that. I don't know Mike Awesome all that well. But can I make a joke about the big boss man? Sure. So during the Georgia Senate runoffs and during the election, Mr. Bossman made it really difficult to watch any coverage of the election because anytime they would zoom in on Georgia and they'd be like, let's see the count in Cobb County. <laughs> like, have you ever taken a trip to Cobb County? <laughs> It's not the rhythm, but I'll, I'll, I'll... I can't remember how it goes, but I know it's Cobb County. If you ever take a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia, you better read the signs, respect the law, and order you some hard times. You'll be serving hard times. You know the big boss man will make you walk the line. You better watch out for you've been serving hard times. He carries a big... But yeah, no, when we were watching coverage of the election, I turned there Georgia. I just, it's the boss man. <laughs> and closing it out, we have a, uh, a bit of an obs- It's obscure and it's not obscure at the same time. It is Lawrence Taylor. Okay, so remember at the beginning of this when I'm like, all your guys are not from a, when I know them? Lawrence Taylor would have already wrestled his only match Wait. by this point. How can he be your boy if you only wrestled one match? Lawrence Taylor is a former D-tackle for the New York Giants. Oh, okay. Who main-evented WrestleMania 11 against Bam Bam Bigelow. And you know what? Did pretty good. I'm going to say that doesn't count. <laughs> that absolutely counts. I'm not saying. That does not count. I'm not calling him a boy. Are you telling me David Arquette could be a boy? No, he won a world championship. God, fuck you. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Honorable mention. I have a few honorable mentions for me and then one for both of us. Honorable mentions for me go to both the right to censor and the Meat Street Posse. The Meat Street Posse I'll give you, I will not give you right to censor. Why not? No, because I don't They're like... boys. <laughs> what, do you, what is redeemable about the right to censor? I love them. No, you're wrong. That theme slaps. <laughs> what the... <clears throat> there is a baseline if you listen closely. Okay. I'll give you Mean Street Posse. Pete Gas in those sweater vests. We will actually get to see the uh, debut of the Mean Street Posse somewhat soon. On WCW? No, in WWF, but it's because we are going to be peeking into WrestleMania 15 whenever they actually get there on the timeline. And that's their uh, first live on-screen appearance. Woo! <laughs> They're not, it won't be wrestling, but they'll be there. Well, that doesn't count, then. They've got to see their wrestling debut. And then honorable mention for both of us, the Yeti. The Yeti. Honorable mention to for both of our boy stables, but there you go. Very quickly, Jack Swagger, Mr. Kennedy, Big Boss Man, Lawrence Taylor, Mike Awesome, and Emily's is Billy Kidman, D'Lo Brown, Scotty Too Hotty, Head Cheese, and Crash Holly. Not in that order, but yeah. Order only matters so much. <laughs> that said, we wasted enough time. Let's uh, get into this episode. Oh, I was stalling. <laughs> I know you were. We'll get to it later, but there was a point where Emily just got up and was like, I need a drink. <laughs> no, I needed to get as far from the television as I possibly could in our 600 square foot apartment. It's 650. Not far. <laughs> 650. Come on. The farthest point I could get to was the liquor cabinet, and it just worked out. So the episode starts with a clip from Thunder with no setup. It just starts with Hulk Hogan talking about, like, we're going to have backup, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just... Out of nowhere, just no, no, like previously on. Sorry, Hogan says that Goldberg will learn what backup is all about. 
does that even mean? On the actual show, we get Mean Gene interviewing Ric Flair. No good transition there either. It's not like we got, you know, the intro package or anything. It's just like, and we're live from blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, did. I, for, I keep forgetting to note where they are. I, I was for the first few episodes. I forgot on this one. So are you disappointed to learn that in terms of ratings, the Finger Poke Doom did absolutely nothing to lose any viewers? Does that mean like the viewership didn't drop? The Nielsen rating kind of thing. That's kind of what they use to measure show-to-show comparisons. It'll go, it will go down going forward. It's lower next week, I just saw. but uh, I am shocked. Yeah, they both got a five. So, man, they just cannot lose viewers, can they? I don't understand. Like, what was happening in 1999 where everyone was like, oh, you're going to think that I'm an idiot and question my intelligence? Sure, I'll watch again. I think it's because, like, oh, man, NWO were so fucking cool. Really? Were they really perceived as that fucking cool? I mean, we... I wish we were of age in 1999. I mean, we we have that issue on this episode of why are you cheering these guys? Yeah. <laughs> Which we're continuing to stall at this point. We can get further into it. Yeah. Me and Gene interview with Ric Flair. Gene notes that uh, there is one match booked for sold out, and it is the tag team match. Sold out, which is in two weeks? Next week. This is the go home for sold out. Yep. God. It's in six days. And we have one match. One match. I think by the end of it, I kind of count four, but only three are official. Only three. Yeah, I only had three in my head. Rick does do his thing. After noting, he's like, oh, Bischoff would always say, why Why do you do that thing? And then he breaks out his... Flair then notes that Hogan is the world champion and is under contract until 2001, so he can't do anything else. So he's working, but does so does that mean like he's still gonna he's still saying that he's gonna run for president? He's still gonna do his campaign. He's still saying. I don't think he actually does. Yeah. But. <laughs> so in this timeline, if he does the campaign, runs for president, somehow wins. He couldn't be because he's got a contract. Well, Hogan cuts a promo later saying, I can do both. No, you can't. I mean, Jesse Ventura was governor of Minnesota and was commentating XFL once a week. So if it's only once, twice a week. I think a mayor is different than the president, though. Governor. Still. Agreed. However, he still, technically speaking, we don't know when in 2001 his contract runs out and he wouldn't be president until early 2001. Unless his contract is out within the first two weeks of January, I don't think that would work. Yes, and spoilers, it's not. I think spoilers, he doesn't no. get elected president. No, my guess is it's probably towards the end of 2001, considering he wasn't there for the invasion. Cause he was there in part of the invasion. He's there after. So I still count it as the invasion. They, it's still bad. Yeah, but when, when you do a winner-takes-all match, and they never mention the phrase alliance again after that, mm-hmm. I think it's over. Ric Flair coming out on that Raw is like, yep, invasion's over, but we're now just going to integrate all the guys. Fuck the invasion. If I haven't said it before, I hate the invasion. In the promo, Flair reinstates J.J. Dillon, and he is now back to being chairman, which he was under Eric Bischoff, but... It was a weird power struggle 
kind of I don't even struggle. It was just like, who's in charge here? Sure. So J.J. Dillon somehow lost his chairman status between the two and then he got it back? Yeah, Bischoff fired him and then he did the, you can't fire me, I quit. And it's like, way to lose your severance, buddy. Um, I think we talked about that too. It was like, never do this. So now that Dillon is chairman, he announces that Hulk Hogan's first title offense will be at Super Brawl. So not the paper you coming up. He still gets to fucking pass on that one. Because of course he does. Even when they're they're trying to pretend they're fucking over Hogan, they're still like they're never actually fucking over no. Hogan. They love him too much. Yeah, there's uh they have not announced an opponent yet, but the NWO will not decide who Hogan faces. And I'm like, yeah. So at this point, there is not a title defense at sold out. The upcoming pay per view. I know you mean world title, world but title I'm defense. I'm really thinking: is there any title defense at this point? No. I know that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, is there even? There's one match. Because. Oh, let's just do a quick kind of overview of who the hell the champions are. I could not tell you. We have Hogan as world champion. We got Scott Steiner, who recently beat Conan to become TV champion and defends his belt later on this show. Bret Hart, who is, I think, kind of hurt right now, is the U.S. champion. Uh, Tag team championships is Rick Steiner and either Judy Bagwell or Kenny Chaos, depending on how they feel each week and they haven't been seen i know that gets vacated soon yeah i haven't seen him in a minute i mean kidman's cruiserweight title he's doing stuff with that but i don't i don't know who he would face it sold out there's no women's championship no the nitro girls don't have a match sorry (laughs) so yeah there are no title matches right now for sold out and i don't know if it's gonna change i imagine there'll be a cruiserweight title defense Flair then says flat out, it's like, no, it's not going to be anyone from the NWO that Hogan faces. Well, good. But fucking everyone's in the NWO. Mm, Not everybody. Basically everyone. Goldberg's not. He's not. DDP. uh, Sting's not back yet, but Sting. Sting's not back yet. (laughs) I know. I'm just trying to think, like, realistically, who will Hogan face? I'm kind of thinking Flair. Flair or Goldberg, but like they come, with, they kind of want to build more towards Goldberg. I would assume. I guess Flair, but then again, it's just another match of two old jiggly men fighting. Welcome to WCW. <laughs> Can you tell I'm getting over it? We're in episode ten. You saw how long the schedule was. I have like 180 episodes. Yeah, I know. Up. J.J. Dillon then announces the main event for Sold Out, which is going to be Scott Hall versus Goldberg in a ladder match, but above the ring is a stun stick. So it's that instead of a belt. And I found this weird because as much as people give Vince Russo shit for, you know, stuff on a pole, this feels like a match where it should be on a pole, not a ladder match. Yeah, I think I even like originally wrote down like stun stick on a pole match. They said ladder match. Yeah, they did. But So I'm like, is the first person to get it wins? Or is it operate the same as a pole match where once they get it, they can use it? I'm guessing that. That's kind of what I'm guessing too. But. We're going to be reliant on commentary saying. Yeah. And they're not very helpful. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am wholly uninterested in that match. Yeah, I'm. I just. I feel I'm like it's so going to go over, too long. I'm over the stun stick storyline i don't like scott hall i don't like him as a wrestler either so i just am i don't want to watch this match like this would not get me to buy a ticket but again it's 1999 everybody's like 
fucking in love with the NWO and Goldberg is everyone's hero. So, yeah, that probably did sell. Flair then asked for the LWO to come out. No Eddie, but Ray is with them. Yeah, they say Eddie's in the hospital with a broken leg. Yes. He is not. Yes, I looked into (laughs) this. Uh, Eddie had been in a severe car accident. Like, for real, for real. And he was like, how are you alive? So he'll be out for a while, it seems. Yeah, I don't think he just broke. He probably did break his leg, but not just that. (laughs) Yeah. Flair wants them to leave the LWO to join WCW. And they do, which I'm like, man, that's, that's that wrapped up real quick. So once again, I have a fucking question. Was the LWO not part of WCW? I thought like WCW was the umbrella and there were factions under it. Like the NWO was a faction. The LWO was a faction. Yeah, it, it was more like, hey, join with us and help fight the NWO as opposed to, you know, doing your own thing. Okay, I mean, I guess. Saying join WCW makes it sound like they're not part of WCW television. Yeah, I I understand. I understand what you mean. At the same time, it's over. So I'm just like, I'm not worried about it. I know. But still, does that mean that NWO is not part of WCW? (sighs) Shoot. I mean, obviously, shoot, they are. But kayfabe. Kayfabe. They're like, no, we're our own thing. We just happen to wrestle on your fucking. Yeah. Question number. I don't fucking know how many. Why are they still here then if they're not part of WCW? Why didn't they try to go like fight somebody else? Why don't they try to get on WWF TV or ECW or somewhere else? Like, why are they still on WCW TV if they're not part of WCW? They are in New Japan, but it's very limited. And I don't know when it happens because it doesn't really affect our timeline. Mm -hmm. But they disband that group because Eric Bischoff was trying to control who gets to be in nwo in japan it's like dude you're not even you're not there yeah you're not even on the same continent so the lwo were now part of wcw go with it i guess flair promises hoovy that they'll go to tijuana next week (laughs) that was funny i did like that and for some reason and honestly i'll see where it goes but it pissed me off a bit ray mysterio is like nah man i ain't taking off the shirt yeah, that didn't make any sense. No, it should have been Hoovy. Yeah, because as far as I remember, Rey Mysterio does not want to be part of the LWO. And no. the LWO has been like kind of forcing him to be part of it. Yes. You know what would have made a lot of sense? Hmm. Hoovy doesn't join because Hoovy is still trying to earn Eddie's love. That would have made sense. And because Eddie's not there to sign off on this, he can't do it. Yeah. That would have made sense. We'll see what happens with Ray going forward. Yeah, the Ray storyline here made no sense to me. Yeah, I went from intrigued by that to I'm like, I don't really care. I care because I love Ray Mysterio. Mm-hmm. I don't like him in bad storylines, but it doesn't make any fucking sense. So Ray leaves with the shirt on, and like Flair and JJ don't don't even fucking notice. Yeah, it's really not brought up at all. Like commentary brings yeah. it up in like a a brief sentence, but. Not much. Yeah, they mention it like as they're going to commercial, but mm-hmm. um, Flair then books himself versus Kurt Hedding for tonight's main event, and that's the end of the segment. They don't mention the nature of the finger poke. Nope. They don't mention Ray just leaving. Nope. They don't even mention Eric Bischoff. No, you're right. They don't. But they did give us another match for sold out. Ooh, so we now got, we have two. We got two. <laughs> and then there were two. 
But usually, and then there were there were two. Is like when you're counting down, not counting but now up. It's counting up, like thank God we might have a show next Sunday. We then get a Fiddler on the Roof flare package, mm-hmm. aka tradition. So I'm pretty sure this is just the promo from Thunder underneath because we watched the promo and I'm like I think it's pretty identical. I think they even cut to him on Thunder. So. Mm. You know, I almost said unless they spliced in some clips from other promos, no, they're not they going didn't. to do that. Yeah, that's way too much production work. Back from commercial, Larry Zbysko plays the crowd as Tony and Mike hype up the Giant versus Kevin Nash, which got announced on Thunder. General context for that, I know they play the clip a couple times. Is they blame the Giant for Ric Flair being in charge, which little fair. There's enough. I'm... There's enough gray area there where I'm like. I can see where they got to that conclusion. I yeah. don't agree with it, but I can see how they got there. Yes. I'm like, okay, I I buy it. It's not like, oh, Lex Luger, you didn't show up there, so it's your fault somehow. Like, right. oh. But the Giants kind of pissed at like, you know, fuck you, dude. And so it's like, uh, there's only room for one Giant, brother. So you guys are going to face off on Nitro to see who's the Giant of the NWO. And... I think because we knew his contract was coming up too, it felt even more obvious that it's like, yeah, Nash is going to be the fucking giant in the end of the video. It's not going to be. Yeah. The guy who just dropped the belt to Hogan in terms of like one of the most controversial things that happened in wrestling. Yeah. It's going to, he's going to be the one in the NWO. Yeah. The number two guy in the NWO is going to stay the number two guy. <laughs> like, wait, you have a, you, don't you have a countdown for how many days we have until uh, the giant's out? This is his last appearance. This is it? Yeah, this is it. Okay. His contract doesn't expire until early February, okay. but he's he's done. All right, so this is it. So if you wish to see the Giant, you will see him debuting at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I forget the actual date of the pay-per-view, but it is WWF pay-per-view in the main event, which is Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon in a cage. Hmm. He will come through the ring, like the floor of the ring. He's emerged from the floor of the ring. He then throws Steve Austin into the wall of the cage and the cage like breaks. So Austin, it's gimmicked, but Austin then falls to the outside and wins the match. So the first thing he does is fucks up. So he has that to look forward to, but we are not quite done with him yet. So the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, I'm assuming that's in February. Yeah, that's mid-February. Wow, so he doesn't even, like, take a break. No. He, I think his contract's up on, like, the 8th, and he's there on, like, the 13th. Damn. It's something that, like, there's, like, like a week in between, but that's what happens when you don't build non-compete clauses in. You go, Big Show. So, wait, is the Big Show a boy? No, he's won multiple world championships. I don't remember them. You've seen one of them, because he won it at, uh, at Survivor Series 99. And then defended against Big Boss Man. He literally held it for like two months. Okay. He also has won the WCW title a couple times. Because he won it actually on, like, in his first match. When the Yete debuts, <laughs> that the match beforehand, Giant wins by DQ. It's real. He wins by DQ because Jimmy Hart hit the referee when he was still the manager for Hulk Hogan. But then after the match, he turns on Hulk Hogan. And he apparently put a thing in the contract that Hogan could lose the belt by DQ. So I think WCW stopped counting the title reign, but WWE does. So I think he's won it once or twice before then. But 
he's leaving because he's not getting main event money and is a former world champion. I mean, yeah, fair. So, not a boy. And that's your second reference to the Yeti. It's the 10th episode. We get two references to the Yeti. How many can we get? Ooh, new challenge. How many or- can we organically Organically. Because that was organic. Back to commentary. <laughs> where we still were before that tangent. Larry says that on commentary last week, Bischoff didn't talk, which means he didn't lie. And I'm like, he did talk. Did you not watch the main event? Yes. I know we're pretending we didn't watch the main event, but did you he not did watch speak. the main event? He made words. Which you didn't realize that during that segment, he was doing the spray painting and like taunting noises. Yeah, I. it took us like watching a recap of that match for me to realize that it was Eric Bischoff doing the... Yeah, I thought you realized because I was... Too. I can't remember. Oh, the, the, the tasing noises. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought you realized that because I, I that made me even more angry. I didn't even notice I I think I was like blackout in rage anger, but yeah, I didn't I didn't realize it. I thought it was like the in ring wrestler doing this, like Goldberg doing that. They then throw to a clip from Thunder of the NWO beating down the LWO, which I think is how they kind of wrote off Eddie. I remember Hoovy on Thunder being like, "They got Eddie, man." Oh, there was that like um, garage. Thing where they're the crime Jean's scene. Try- mean Jean's trying to talk to Hoovy because Hoovy's running out of the garage with a rolling suitcase. He's like, and don't you run like, away from me. Yeah. It's like, they got Eddie, man. They're coming for me next. That's how they wrote him off. That must have been. Yes, but I, we both laughed hard at Mean Jean going like, don't, don't you run away from me. It's like, oh, Jesus, Jean. Jean, you need to calm your tits. Speaking of Jean, he is now interviewing Perry Saturn in the ring. Perry Saturn still rocking the chainmail leather vest. Yeah, Gene in commentary note that he has an issue with Chris Jericho, and Saturn just—I don't think he ever really was, but he is not a good promo oh, here. He's horrible. He's so bad at talking. So Perry asked for a rematch against Jericho after their match last week, where the ref was like "fucky" and DQ'd Perry Saturn yeah. that match, and Gene. Pretty accurately, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Jericho's not going to give you a rematch on his own. Like, have you met the guy? He's not, like, I don't know why you're expecting this. He's not generous. <laughs> so Saturn then asks for Jericho to come out. He comes out with Ralphus, okay. or is, I think it's Gene refers to him, Rufus. Rufus, yeah. <laughs> I think Tony goes, it's Ralphus. Whatever. <laughs> I kind of like that me and Gene has the earpiece that can hear commentary. Oh, yeah. It does make that flow a little better. I don't even really notice it, but I will keep an eye out for it now. They have a little bit of back and forth now and again, which is kind of funny for the live crowd because the live crowd can't hear commentary. Oh, true. I didn't even think about that. So Jericho notes with all of Saturn's complaining, he should be wearing a dress, which in the context of the rest of the episode, he really had that comment ready. Oh, God. Yeah. Because he then challenges Saturn to a match, and if Saturn loses, he has to wear a dress for the rest of his career. Or not? Or just one match? Saturn says no at first, so then it just says yes after yeah, some it taunting. Take a lot of, it doesn't take a lot of convincing. Jericho then notes, like, ah, oh, you don't have the legs to wear a dress. <laughs> This whole match is built on the idea of toxic masculinity. Yeah. so I'm like, Fragile masculinity. I'm like, I guess this match is for sold out, but then commentary confirms it a little bit later. So that's actually, we have a third match We have a now. third match for the pay-per-view next week. And it sounds like it's only if Saturn loses he has to wear a dress, but... 
it wouldn't shock yeah. me if we get there and it's like loser wears a dress. Yeah, because the way it was established, it was only if Perry Saturn loses. So the cat then comes out and apparently this is a match. Oh, yeah. This confused me because like I thought that Perry Saturn was just coming out for a promo or he was going to try to do like a match with Jericho right then and there. That happened a couple times during this. They're just like, oh, okay. The, this, the second thing's now. happening. Yeah. And referee Randy Anderson comes out with the cat to ref the match, but then the ref Scott Dickinson sends him to the back, and it's like, oh, J.J. Dillon wants to see you. This is the ref that Saturn has been having issues with. So they never really mention if J.J. Dillon actually needed to see Randy Anderson or if it was just Dickinson being a dickhead. But yeah, we now have Saturn versus the cat again. We've seen this a couple times. We have. And it's always as underwhelming as the last... Yeah, I, I continue to have high hopes for Perry Saturn, and I just keep being disappointed a little bit. But Saturn works over the cat until the ref just kind of stops him. They argue, and the cat hits a blatant low blow, mm. which I'm not calling our worst call tonight because Dickinson's kind of been a shitty ref towards yeah. Saturn. So I'm like, okay, storyline, I get that, you know, you're not going to call this. The cat then distracts the ref as Sonny Ono tries to beat down Perry Saturn on the outside, but it has little effect. Cat works over Saturn's knee until Saturn counters with a belly-to-belly, followed by a scoop slam, followed by a frog splash. He goes for a pin, but Ono distracts the ref to avoid a count. Jericho runs in and hits Perry Saturn with a fucking shovel. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? This happened very quickly, and I was confused. The ref somehow DQs Perry Saturn in all of the beatdowns. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I just wrote that off to this ref. I was like, Perry Saturn, so he's going to de- yeah, DQ him. Yeah, but like even logically, I'm like, how the fuck are you well, DQing Saturn? Who's he going to DQ? It, it would be the cat. For Jericho coming in? It's more that Saturn wins by disqualification. Oh, I see. But we then get a very sad moment oh of... My God, this is- Jericho tries to put a dress on Saturn and he can't do it. And I don't know if it's Perry Saturn like I don't want to be in this dress. I and it's like kind of fighting him a little for- bit. I think it's Jericho trying to force his head through the armhole. It, it's It's a dress with sleeves and it looks like he's trying to go through the armhole. Don't all dresses technically have armholes? Yeah, but like his head very clearly gets stuck <laughs> yeah. in like oh, the sleeves part. Yeah, it goes on for a while until Jericho just like just gives up. It's like, no, nope, okay. Also, no tube top dresses. Okay, fair. <laughs> yeah, nothing match. It's trying to get over the story of the dress and didn't even really achieve that because of the botch no. at the end. So we'll see them at sold out, which I'm like, maybe right now that's looking like it might be match of the night. The dress match? Yeah. Well, of the three that we have scheduled, maybe. But yeah, poor. I'm not even going to say the poor cat, but the cat was just kind of incidentally there. He was there as a body to fill a hole. So after that match, we get the Nitro opening. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? We're like a half hour in. Yeah. We like, we clocked the time for it, too. I can't remember exactly what the exact time was, but it was like over a half hour. And there had been commercial breaks. Yeah. So I, my thought was like, maybe it's the hour point. But that's too short, I think. Yeah, it wouldn't have been that It wouldn't as have long. been quite an hour. It was just very random timing. After that, we get the Nitro Girls. Yeah. I think we only get two appearances of them this week, so. That's okay. They didn't look as, like, messy and unkempt this time around. They only had one dance to learn. So on Thunder, 
Flair made Eric Bischoff show up to the office like bright and early Friday morning. And we have footage from that day because Bischoff actually notes like, oh, there's a camera crew, Mm -hmm. which creates some issues. The first of which is because he walks inside the building and then it cuts to a different camera inside the building already and it doesn't show the other camera crew. Oh. It's just like fourth wall breaking of like you can't acknowledge the camera crew and then not show the camera crew. That's fair. I didn't yeah, I didn't think about that. I, I thought of maybe it's just the the filmmaker in me, but maybe. I'm like uh there should be something there. Because it happens a couple times. What is it, the 180 rule? I I mean, a little bit, but that's also the the camera should be there. You should be able to see the camera. Yeah. <laughs> because in a film, the camera's not actually there. No, but it's also not acknowledged. Like, in the story of, of like, a film, yeah. there's not a camera sitting there. Right. When you acknowledge there is a camera, you should see it. Right, fair. However, this is very nitpicky. Also, what is this office? It's like, it's like, it's the CNN offices. I'm like, it's a fucking business park. Yeah, it's just a random business park somewhere in maybe Atlanta or pro- more probably just like wherever they were filming that week. They just rented out an office space. Uh, Knoxville. Knoxville? Because we looked up. Oh, we looked up how far it was to drive. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, it's just like a random business park. There's nothing outside of like on the doors or on it that says WCW or CNN or Ted Turner or anything. No. Nothing in the, like, reception office. There's no pictures of wrestlers or past pay-per-view posters. There is nothing that indicates that this office is for a wrestling company. No. Or CNN. No. Or anything. Literally anything. It's the most generic office you can think of. And there's one person working, and it's the receptionist. No, there's two, because there's the awkward security guy. Oh, right, yes. But, yeah, my guess is they got the Knoxville, and they're like, all right, we need to rent an office out on, like, the Sunday beforehand to film something yeah. because no one will be there. Probably. So he also notes that somebody parked in a spot. It was, like, a green jag or something. Money green jag. His key card doesn't work, which probably shoot doesn't work because it's because not it's a scene. <laughs> Although, to his credit, he's like, Bishop told me to be here at like eight or nine or whatever. And he's like, he's like it's a quarter to eight or nine. Or I'm he like, was early. He showed up early. And I'm like, you know what? Good on you, Eric Bishop. Professional Bischoff. man. So he waits around for a while and they just kind of do that fade montage to let you know time has passed. Mm-hmm. And he keeps changing positions on the couch. Yeah. So Flair finally sees Bischoff and he asks him like, oh, did you like what uh, Hogan and Nash did? And he's like, did you know about it beforehand? And Bischoff says no. Liar. Flair says that during his 90 days, he's going to make Bischoff's life as miserable as possible. (laughs) And gives him just a box of his stuff and shows him to his new job. He is now on the ring crew. So he gets to be one of the guys that sets up the ring. Yeah. In Knoxville. He's also going to be riding with a smelly truck driver. (laughs) This poor truck driver just got, like, buried. Yeah. <laughs> and we looked. It's about a three-hour drive. So not yeah, terrible. from, like, where they claim to be in Atlanta to Knoxville. Like, three hours, that's nothing. Yeah. You can suck it up for three hours. Yeah, we'll see more of this a bit later. But, I don't know, I'm trying to make guys life a living hell. And it's like, we're going to put you in the ring crew. It's like, that's not the worst job you can do. 
I mean, it's not the best. If you're Eric Bischoff, you don't want to be setting up the ring, but he probably did worst. at one point in his probably. career. Yeah, back when he was like early doing commentary. But I mean, like character Eric Bischoff, you don't want to be yeah. setting up the ring. No. But like as a as a job, like you've done it. It you haven't set up the ring, but you've like worked in a wrestling space. Yeah. And like it's not fun work. No, but there's usually like twenty guys helping. Right. So we'll come back to that in a bit. But uh, in the meantime, Emily, you want to walk us through our next segment? Oh, do I have to? Yes. So this segment starts out with Mean Gene interviewing Chavo Guerrero and Pepe, the horse. But why is he interviewing them, Emily? Because it's Pepe's birthday and Chavo has a cake for him and they're throwing a little party. He does also ask about Eddie, and Chavo gives no information. Nothing. He's more focused. And, like, let me set the scene. They're at the bottom of the ramp. There is a fold-out table with a, like, Party City $1 tablecloth over it and a sheet cake from your local grocery store that says, you know, happy birthday, whatever. That's it. There is nothing else. There's no balloons. And they're like, oh, it's a party. And, like, no, it's not a party. It's a cake and a table and... No no guests. So, while they're setting all this up and they're saying, like, oh, it's Pepe's birthday, whatever. Norman Smiley, our boy, comes down to basically berate Chavo into, like, why wasn't I invited? Why why didn't you invite me to the party? Like, I, I thought we were good. Like, I want to be invited to the party. I do want to note at this point that, one, me and Gene is way too willing to go along with this. Yeah. Gene went from Thunder of, like, don't you run away from me, Hoovy, to... Oh, it's Pepe's birthday. And also, you know who's not not, not into this? Mm. The crowd. Would you have been? No, I'm saying like they didn't shit on this. Oh, they just nothing to this. Yeah. I Yeah. I mean, like they were like dabbling of being into it. Yeah. But like Norman Smiley is just mad that he wasn't invited to this party. But like, as I stated, no one was invited to this party. It's not a party. It's Chavo. And Mean Gene interviewing Chavo and Pepe. End of guest list. Oh, wait. I actually remember how I knew the crowd was kind of into this. Because they sang along to Happy Birthday. Oh, God. Which is when Norman came out. He cut off the song like a heel. Oh, that's okay. Take it away, Nick. So Norman offers a handshake. And he's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And Chavo's like, I'm not going to accept your apology. But, you know, maybe maybe Pepe will. (laughs) So he's like, apologize to Pepe. And then... Norman just grabs Pepe and clotheslines Chavo. He beats him down and then smashes Chavo's face into the cake. He then goes to slam him through the table, but the table does not budge. Yeah, that is not a gimmick table. That is an actual fold-out table. Yeah, it looked a little sore. He then steals Pepe and Chavo follows him. Oh, God, I forgot about the ending of this segment. So Norman steals Pepe. And, like, runs to the backstage with him. Chavo follows him. Camera crew follows. And we essentially think that, like, Norman's going to kidnap Pepe. Oh, no, no, no. He goes full Fargo. He goes to the back of the stadium, like, outside in the parking lot, where there is a wood chipper just hanging out in the parking lot. And he sticks Pepe through it. I will give WW credit. It actually worked. Yeah, you did actually see the fluff come out. Because like, it was obvious that Pepe. I don't no think more. I don't think we saw it. I think it happened on Raw. They did basically the same thing with um, Moppy. 
Did they put Moppy through a... Rave, well, Raven tries to, but oh. it, it doesn't work. <laughs> so they like cut away. But yeah, he puts it in the wood chipper and it obliterates. I think, I think they refer to it as a shredder. Yeah, but it's a wood chipper. Like this is what you put Christmas trees in at the end of the season to make mulch. Like, this, you see like the blue fluff of Pepe come oh. out. Like, and Chavo gets there right, at, right in time to see the end result. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Traumatizing. So I assume this will be a match that's sold out, but Probably. they have not announced that it will be. Probably. We'll see what happens with that. But speaking of Raven. So yes, we go to his house again, which I think they've been going to on Thunder, because they did on the one we skimmed through before mm-hmm. this. And I'm guessing they did on the one in between when they set it up and the January 4th Probably, one. yeah. Because on Thunder, a new character appears at Raven's house. Just some blonde man that's apparently Raven's best friend? Yes, they call him Jimmy, or as most people know him, the Sandman. (laughs) But he's, like, talking to the family, like, referring to mom as mom and grandma as grandma. So I thought he was his brother at first, and you're like, oh, no, no, that's not his brother. No, yeah, it's... I'm just going to call him Sandman, because I... On the network, they call him Hack, which is a common thing. I know he goes by it every now and again. But I'm going to call him Sandman until I give him a different name. But he's just, like, wearing a button-down, you know, like a like cabana shirt, being all cordial. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> who is this man? Where are your cigarettes and beers? <laughs> I showed Emily a story of the the Tommy Dreamer shoot interview talking about when Sandman died and then came back and wrestled. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. So Sandman is telling Raven, it's like, hey, you know, maybe you should be uh, ditching Canyon. You know, that guy's kind of kind of weird. You're his only friend. But Nick, who better than Canyon? Apparently Sandman. <laughs> and then they go to the garage and Raven just finds some old posters of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, I don't remember. There was a reason they were going to the garage. But he just like goes through the closet in the garage and just pulls out pictures of Roddy Piper. Yeah, I... That's I, it. That's yeah. the segment. The end. <laughs> Find out next week on Ravenwatch. <laughs> 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 I don't really much to say about that until it pays off. We just went beat by beat by beat through that whole segment. We did it. meet his sister on uh, on Thunder. She's a bitch. Yeah. I, I still don't remember if she becomes anybody or not. Like, there is no reason for her to be mean to Canyon. But she is... Horribly mean to Canyon. That he whole is family is. Lovely man. Why does everyone hate Canyon? If this was WWF, there totally would have been a, oh, are they banging kind of storyline. Although, the night is young. True. So next up, we get what I thought was the most annoying bit of tonight. I know yours comes a little bit later. <laughs> but uh, we get a bunch of fat hogs es- escorting the NWO limo into the building. And not the police. But no, no, it is. Well, they're pigs. They're not hogs. But uh, it is the Hell's Angels, and they escort the NWO actually out to the ring when they kind of walk, and they will not stop fucking revving their goddamn motorcycles. I, yeah, like, they know where they are. They know they're on a fucking television show. Were they told to rev? Maybe. No. They might have been. They definitely, definitely, uh, oh, we're so fucking cool, because I'm pretty sure they do that during other shit, too. Yeah, when they're outdoors. Yeah, but they're in a large arena. Sometimes, you know, big enough arena, it feels like you're kind of outdoors. But 
they're riffing so much that like the NWO actually has to like wait for all of them to leave to start cutting their promo. Which was also really awkward because they couldn't all like turn around. Yeah, because Kevin Nash tries to start cutting his promo at one point, but his mic's not on yet. Because like, fuck, if your mic's on, it's gonna get blown oh, yeah. out by the revving. Because you know, like the last guy is still like, like, dude, chill. Like, yeah. no one here cares about you. I don't know enough about my motorcycles to know if like the gas is connected to the revving sound so like in order to leave they had to rev to like get gas to go i don't know enough about motorcycles i don't know if there's a connection if there is like i, I feel mean a to bad, a certain but... degree but not that not that much but uh thank christ they eventually leave because if they were doing that through the whole promo i think i would have just skipped this <laughs> i think if you had advocated to skip this promo i would have had i would have been like oh we skipped that one let's skip something else down the line I did laugh at me getting annoyed at the volume of, of the revving. Mm. And this promo was largely about the NWO is having communication issues. <laughs> yeah, maybe you need to get rid of the motorcycles. Y'all can hear each other better. So Hogan's like, yep, there's the backup I previously mentioned, even though they all just left. Hogan also acknowledges that he is under contract, but claims he'll fight anyone on any night. Sure you will, bud. I know you won't. Like, I don't even think that was meant to be, like, heel heat. I'm pretty sure that was just like, oh, I, I'm totally a fighting champion. It's like, no, you're not Hulk. Does he even... He doesn't have a match on this episode, does he? No, oh, he's... I, we could probably count. <laughs> that could be a fun ongoing thing of just, like, how many matches will Hulk Hogan have between now and the end of the podcast? Because so far, I think we're at two. Really? Is it only two? Warrior. Finger poke. That's it? Pretty sure. He hasn't fought Flair yet? Nope. Oh. Okay. He ain't doing no tag matches, brother. He claims he'll be the U.S. president and WCW champion. Nash then grabs the mic and cuts a fucking face promo for some fucking reason. And he claims he'll prove tonight that he is the one and only giant. And I'm like, why are you pandering to the fans? You guys are the big heel supergroup. But everyone loves them. Steiner then grabs the mic and talks about his body. Apparently, he's facing DDP later. He calls both DDP and the fans white trash. But he says he implies. I don't know if he says it all the way out. He's trying to get with DDP's. Wife. Oh yeah, he claims he's gonna bang his wife. Yeah, even though she's white trash. Pick one. <laughs> no, I think it's kind of one of those like, oh, you want to be with me? Well, you're ugly anyway, so. Ugh, yeah, he's definitely got that kind of energy. He's got small dick energy. He is that uh, rejected on Tinder energy. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I noted here that Kurt Hedig is the only one, like, in a suit, like, not in any sort of NWO attire. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't really play into anything. Just like a, yeah, you, you feel weird in this group. They claim that no one will mess with them now that they have the Hell's Angels. And I'm like, aren't you all supposed to be super tough? Like, you're pro wrestlers. But you need a gang of motorcycle guys to be your bodyguards? Yeah. And also, do the Hells Angels ever make a return? <laughs> I think Not I, in this episode. I think I wrote that. I'm like, I, I doubt we'll ever see them no, again. I don't think Actually, so. Actually, we'll probably see them at Road Wild whenever the hell that happens again. But that's more coincidence. They then leave to the Wolfpack theme. And I'm like, oh my oh. god, is the classic NWO theme done? No. No, it's not. No, it's not done. Oh, the NWO does also state that they're going to rule through the new millennium. They say in January of 1999. Could happen. 
remember we were talking about the like memory of wrestling i stand by that the like if it doesn't happen in three months it didn't happen the end of 1999 is further than three months from now so it's not going to happen we'll have to wait and see emily i don't think we will we got a recap from the main event last week and like yeah they really uh danced around this before now they even like skipped around in time a little bit just to speed some things up and it still took forever because it does the poke and then it does the whole beat down and everybody hugging. They do include in this the clip that opened Thunder, which is the clip from Nitro. Yeah. Of the Atlanta Falcons showing up. Right. They won't be here tonight. They also probably won't be here at all going forward. Yeah. They're a football team. Yeah. They just happen to be in Atlanta. That's why they were there, guys. Next up, we get a match that we were both excited for, which ended up being disappointing. We get Rey Mysterio versus Kaz Hayashi, who you still think is a hunk. He is such a hunk. He is so cute. Rey is still in his LWO attire, but uh, I think it's time to ask once again. Who's that Pokemon? So Rey's actual gear, I decided to ignore the t-shirt, is these like kind of pavement black, white, and a little bit of gray. It's largely black. So who did you have for this? So I'm going to have to do, do some justifying for this because I know you're going to say that this isn't it. Okay. And I still stand by that this should be a discussion, not a right answer versus a wrong answer. Okay. I said he's Houndour. Mm. The tan on Houndour is just Rey Mysterio's skin. They're racist. racist. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, had, I had the perfect one. That, that's why I, I want to accept What's that. What's the perfect one? It is the question mark unknown. Oh, get fucked. It no. is black and it has the white eye. No. It, no. Oh, it's, no. The, it's the question mark unknown. Come on. No. For for mystery. For Mysterio. No. I reject your submission. I reject your hypothesis. Sorry. I will also accept from uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Didn't we say we were going to keep this to the original 150? Necrozma. The, oh, Necrozma. Who the fuck is that? Didn't we say we were going to keep it to the original one? We said we were going to try also. Who is Krozma? Necrozma. Like I said, he's like the partial mascot from Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. No, I don't accept that one either. But no, Houndour has too much else going on. I don't think so. I think you're thinking of Houndoom. No, even then. I feel like, yeah, there's too much tan going on. Well, if you think about Rey Mysterio as a whole, like, he... We do, we do, for the most we do this for his gear. We don't do it for... But he's not also, just I like, his pants. I like how you picked the one time he wore a shirt over top to be like, oh, okay, his skin. I had to figure it out three minutes before we started recording. Cut me some slack. It's not my fault you didn't look into this. No, I'm, I'm going unknown. No, you're wrong. And I don't accept that one. Even a regular unknown? No. Why not? Because that's not... No. What? That's not an answer. I don't think that that has enough happening. I think both of us can agree this was not the uh, easiest one to do. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> we both kind of looked at it and went, ah, shit. So hopefully next week's will be easier. Especially wearing the LWO shirt. Like, that was tough. Yeah. I, I accidentally half saw, I think, what he wears next week. And it, it's like, it's kind of ugly looking. So we'll see if anything uh, ties in there. Okay. So in the match, we get some quick action until Luger comes down pretty early on and just beats down Hayashi. Yeah, God forbid we just have a regular match. Yeah, I was like gonna try to like oh go back and find some of these moves. I'm like it happened so quick that it's not even worth it. 
I have a whole rant about how much I hate the... I didn't even take notes on what was happening here. I just went into a blind rage and wrote about how much I hate the NWO. Let's save it for the end. Fair. Let's let it all build. (laughs) He then gets in the ring and he wants Ray to take off the LWO shirt. Ray refuses, so Luger beats him down. He stomps him out and puts Ray in the torture rack. Conan then comes down and kind of politely tells Luger to stop. It was like really casual. Like, hey, man, stop. He grabs a mic and he's like, Wolfpack doesn't roll like that. And Luger then takes the mic and he's like, oh, how come I wasn't in your music videos, Conan? The NWO then come out. Nash grabs the mic and mocks Conan and then the NWO just beat him down. Hall tases him. There's some Goldberg chants, but he doesn't come down. Oh my God, I'm so over the taste stick. They spray paint him in black and white. There's some We Want Sting chants, but no one comes out. Ah. <laughs> Any thoughts that you want to discuss now? Or... I don't know. It's stuff I'm going to say later. I'm just, I'm mad because like, this could have been a really fun match. And we just had, I think, two NWO segments back to back. Now we get another NWO segment in the middle of what could have been a really fun cruiserweight match. I don't give a shit about the NWO. They're so fucking repetitive and annoying and uh, unlikable. And I just keep having them shoved down my throat. I'm tired of it. I want to enjoy other wrestlers. Next up, we get a recap on Thunder with the NWO. Get fucked. Hogan is upset with the Giant. He books Nash versus Giant and notes, uh, we're trimming the fat, brother. And I'm like, that means you, Giant. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was an intentional jab or not. An intentional fat joke. We then get a Mean Gene interview with the Giant. And I'm like, oh, never mind. There's that NWO theme. Which, I I think I said they should have used it last week. They should have given him the Dungeon of Doom music, like his debut music. Oh, that would have been cool. Come but, on. Like, we don't know that this is his last day on WCW. Yeah, but I mean, like, in this promo, he says, I don't even want to join the NWO. I'm going to fight them instead. And it's like, so why are you coming after their music, bud? Because he's still in the NWO. It's basically that they're like, we're not going to write new music for him. He's <laughs> he's leaving soon. But Dungeon of Doom music, that shit's on file. Yeah. But he admits he got fooled by Macho Man a couple weeks ago. Uh, but his defense is basically, listen, Hogan, you do a lot of shit without telling everybody. So I kind of just assumed that Macho was now back at the NWO. Fair. That's fair. And I'm like, yeah, that's uh, that's some pretty solid logic. Yeah. Although he does sound like he's winded for this whole promo. The Giant? Yeah. Well, he's not got the greatest cardio. He walked down to the ring and is talking. Yeah. <laughs> he says he's going to chokeslam Nash and become the one true immortal giant. Oh, immortal. With those lungs, baby. But as mentioned, he says, like, I don't even want to join the NWO. I'm going to fight them. So there's not really a stipulation on this anymore later. No. He does have the line. You don't tell people what's going on. I've had it up to my seven foot neck. It just made me laugh. Cause I think he said seven foot four because they always uh, embellish that a little bit. Even still. Like, are you a giraffe? Why is your neck so dull? (laughs) Proud of yourself. Yes. It's the little things that get me through these fucking episodes. So we'll get that match later on tonight. Next up, we have Lenny Lane versus Booker T. Lenny Lane's a cutie. He looked, I forget, he looked kind of Jericho-esque, if I remember right. I have a type. I wondered if this would go longer than, than last week. Yes. It did. It was shockingly long. It's pretty much still just a face squash match. There's not much to say. 
Booker T hits a scissor kick, followed up with a spine buster, and gets the pin after a jumping sidekick. And I'm like, dude, you need to pick a finisher. I think he eventually lands on the scissor kick. I don't know if he does that in uh, in WCW or not. And I know he gets the bookend at some point. I don't know if... You would know better than I would. Yeah, it's one of those things I'm like, I don't know when people get certain finishing moves. It's kind of like watching early Shawn Michaels matches where it's like, okay, you're doing the super kick, but it's not your finisher right. yet. So he just he needs to pick one of these moves to consistently be his finisher. Yeah. Scissor kick looks good. Just do, do that one. Lenny did get some offensive moves in, though, in that match. Yeah, it's not about him, and It's though. not, no, but, like, I'm so proud. Like, he's still such a baby. Like, when he came out, I was like, oh, you're about to get murdered in a 90-second match. And he got some offense in. I was proud of him. Yeah, this is just a Booker T squash match. Yeah, but man. I'm looking forward to him eventually getting a feud. Eventually. It'll happen. At some point. We get a flashback to the Giant taking apart the ring in 1998. Doesn't really play into anything, no, but... it's cool. Him grabbing the ring post and, like, removing it from where it was. <laughs> the way you said that was kind of silly. Yeah, I mean, it looked a little silly. It, <laughs> he Removing the post from where it was. Like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's how he broke the ring this time is you kind of need to understand how a ring is put together to make that look impressive. Yeah. Because it's the fact that all it's aircraft cable tightened so none of the posts should be able to move. So for you to be able to pull one of them out, it's like, oh, He's shit. so strong. Yeah. Next up, we get the segment that Emily didn't even watch. I blacked out. I walked away. I didn't even... I turned my ears off. I didn't hear any of it. I was just enraged. <laughs> yes, we get a video package of Hogan and Nash talking about how they had, like, the greatest match ever. So when this started, I knew it was going to be, like, self-indulgent, but I thought it was going to be, like... Oh, me and Hogan, we've had some good matches together. Like, our history together. I don't know if they've ever wrestled before that. Or just, like, NWO highlights. Just like, oh, me and Hogan, we're good wrestlers. Yeah, no. Instead, they... They just masturbate, basically. Yeah. This is just the a, a video package version of masturbation. And... They're talking about like, oh man, like they're treating it like it was almost like a like like a shoot of man that poke really uh really took it out of me. You've done that a couple times. I I don't know what I would you know I would have had to retire. That's when I got livid because they were taking that as they were taking that seriously. They were saying like shit like that, like yeah, the poke did something, and it wasn't just a big old joke. Like no, fuck you, don't. Yeah. Insult my intelligence. Stop doing that. I was like, oh man, it was one of the greatest matches ever. Get fucked. Yeah, I think actually, I think that was the line where you were like, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, just self-indulgent. And I mean, they're heels when they're not cutting a promo. (laughs) But this made me want to change the channel and not see them get beat up. Especially because neither of them are facing Goldberg anytime soon. No, and like, the thing is, you know, they're not going to get beat up. Because they're so over in this fucking company that no one is going to lay a finger on them. None of them are going to come out of any match looking weak. Like, they're going to come out on top for every fucking match they're in from now until fucking whenever. So the promo ends at some point. I I think even I was just like, I I get the gist of this. Back at commentary, 
Tony Schiavone's having none of it. And he's like, you know, you'd think now that we're in the Ric Flair era, we wouldn't have to watch shit like this. Mm-hmm. Same, Tony. And Larry Zbysko's like, yeah, I, I don't like it either. I don't know if that's true or if that's characters. Because, like, I would think Probably that if they're in this scenario for real, if I was them, I'd be saying this for real, too. I'm like, really, do we still have to put up with this garbage? Yeah. Tony then, oh, Tony then for some reason, mentions the uh, Vikings-Falcons NFC Championship game coming up the following <laughs> Sunday. You know, some good sports entertainment. <laughs> not this. That game is notable for the Vikings kicker not having missed a kick all year, missing a crucial field goal, which resulted in the Vikings losing. That's pretty much the... Uh, There's just no good endings in sports entertainment in this year. No. There's nothing good happening. Uh, the Falcons are going to the Super Bowl, so we'll see if anything... They don't win it, but... They're going. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that in terms of Goldberg, if they ever bring that up. But I also laugh because I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to Super Bowl. They're definitely not going to be on Nitro at all going forward the next couple of weeks. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, if they lost, like, oh, maybe you could get a couple of the guys. Maybe, but no. Now they're in training mode. So this is the point in the show where I noted that we still have a fucking hour. Yeah. There is still an hour of the show left. There are some prominent matches. I know, but at on, this point... On paper, the last hour of this show should be good. I know. On but paper. At this point, getting to this point, I'm so tired and so sick of this. I'm not having a good time. I want to leave. <sighs> Next up, we get Scott Steiner with mm. Buff Bagwell versus DDP. Mm. Before DDP comes out, a woman just feels up Scott Steiner. Mm. I wrote uh, Save Us Dot DDP, like the Jericho promos from 2007. <laughs> I say that's the title of this episode. I wasn't sure if this was a title match. I ended up being so. It was. But they, they do a terrible job noting that it's a title match beforehand. Yes, they do. Because we don't figure it out until, like, right towards the end of the match that it's a title match. Yeah, I think, like, like spoilers. Steiner retains, and that's I think that's how we, mm-hmm. we knew. It's like, oh. I guess it's a title match. Buff is wearing a Falcon's hat. Got him? <laughs> Not really sure why. All right. Buff just blatantly interferes at various points and yeah like he's not even sneaky about it yeah story of this match is steiner works him over then distracts the ref then buff works him over to the ref turns around he's like i didn't do anything but like also this was what okay so i called this is my bad call of the night god steiner is like outwardly and openly threatening the referee wasn't this a whole storyline earlier on with Perry Saturn? Like, if you threaten a referee, you're going to get DQ'd. If you put your hands on a, D- on a referee, shove him, whatever, you're going to get DQ'd. Wasn't that the whole fucking storyline? Yes, I think they're a little more lenient with Steiner because they want him to lose the title, is my kind of guess. But... <laughs> like, the, the, they do at least have a story of Steiner being, like, abusive to the ref, so it's like... That doesn't I didn't see anything that would have got him DQ'd. He shoved the ref. Yeah, but like... That's tri- enough. Triple would... H just shoved the ref and he doesn't get DQ'd. I know, but in the same episode where they're like, oh, this ref was fucked over. Was... The, the ref who has a vendetta against Perry Saturn. And they talk about how it's a long-running vendetta. He's not He's not the one to cite here. I don't know, still. I call it a bad call. Just slow offense from Steiner. Buff starts a mocking DDP chant on the mic and then tells the fans to shut up. 
because there's no heat on this match. No. And I, I, I wrote, the more I see Buff Bagwell, the more I'm glad he only wrestled one match in WWF. Yeah. I don't remember him in WWF, and I think that's good. It happened on a Raw during the invasion. <laughs> that's why I don't remember it. Yes. I probably didn't see it. It was him versus Booker T for the world title, and the match was so bad that they went, we, we don't need you back, Buff. Good. So there was some point in this match where I, like, clued out of the match and clued into commentary. Just in time for the line, pneumonia means lungs. <laughs> I have no idea what the context was or, like, how they got there. I have, I have no idea. Pneumonia means lungs. Steiner hits a sloppy tiger bomb and DDP kicks out. DDP starts his comeback until Vincent interferes yeah. and the ref gets bumped. Buff throws powder in DDP's eyes and DDP hits a blind diamond cutter onto Vincent. Steiner hits DDP with a chair and then puts in the Steiner recliner and wins. Oh, this was a title match apparently. I wrote. Yeah. The ref is like climbing over Vincent who's knocked out to like go check on DDP. And I'm like, bud. What? <sighs> yeah, that. It was just a mess of a match. Yeah. It, Steiner and Buff brought DDP down to their level. Yes. Absolutely. No, Good times. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, so I'm sorry this is a slog, but it was this a slog a for slog. us too. Listen, we're trying. We actually get a little bit of a high point. We get a pre recorded interview with Goldberg. Yeah. These were actually pretty good. We got a couple of these tonight. Yeah, these actually were pretty good. Goldberg says that he made a mistake assuming the match would be fair. <laughs> I did note here that he really has dropped slash never started an issue with Bam Bam Bigelow and Disco Inferno for interfering in that. No. He just, he's fine with that apparently. They're not the problem children. We also never saw Goldberg versus Bam Bam Bigelow one-on-one. Did we not? No. Oh, shit. Nash interfered, and then there was a triple th- or triangle match, rather. Yes, the triangle match. Yeah, he says that mistake will never happen again. And it, it's a short promo, but Goldberg doesn't need to talk for 20 minutes. No, he's one of those guys where when he talks, you listen, and he doesn't need to say much to get his point across. We go to a clip from earlier today. Eric Bischoff helps build the ring. Oh my god, they hung on to this bit for so long. This segment was and three he, he, times longer than it needed to be. The guy who is his boss in this clearly is the guy who's at the head of the ring crew. Yeah. Not a good actor. Well, yeah, he's the head of the ring crew. Yeah, but like the <laughs> cop the other week was good. We're still not sure if he was a cop or an actual actor. The doctor was good two weeks ago. The doctor was good. I would say, we're two, we were two for two going into this on, uh, <laughs> on non-actors NPC being characters. actors. Yeah, <laughs> He was not as good. No, he really wasn't. But he was he was very obviously, like, part of the crew. Yeah. He's not an on-camera personality. This goes for so fucking long. Like, nothing really happens. Nothing just happens. Basically, it's just Eric Bischoff is doing the grunt work. Being a whiny little bitch. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was interesting to see, like, kind of how a ring gets built on TV. But they didn't it even... It would have been interesting. Yeah, they, they didn't show enough detail. of it to really... Yeah. Important to note, he was using a wrench to tighten... The turnbuckles. Which, is that common? Um, there's usually a tool for it. The way he was doing it is not the worst way. He yeah, was he was putting right. it in between and then twisting it like that. He, he wasn't... leverage. Yes. When I verbalized that, he was not, like, taking a wrench, like, oh, I'm going to use the wrench no, to... No, no, no. He was using the wrench's leverage to twist. To twist the ring, yeah. Yeah, not, not the worst way to do it. But remember that. That'll be important for some reason. 
back in the arena, we get commentary recapping the Starcade main event and then last week. Just like, oh. it's all connected. Sure. Scott Hall comes out to the Wolfpack theme. Not to silence anymore. No. Grabs a mic. There hey, you go. Yo. And he does a survey bit about Goldberg getting shocked again. And that's just it. And it fades to commercial. Both of us are like, what the fuck was that? Back from commercial, yeah. there's apparently a match because Bam Bam it Bigelow weird, comes out though, to yeah. no music. Doesn't he just kind of like appear in the ring? No, he comes out to no music, but then Scott Hall is just still in the ring and we're like, oh, it's a match. Oh, okay. I don't remember that bit. Yeah, that's, that's how we knew because Bam Bam's walking out. I do remember that Bam Bam has... Like the worst gear, like he continues to have the. He worst He has that pretty consistently gear. throughout his whole career. Like he, okay, there is. I can't think of the name of the Pokemon, but now if, we, if we're playing, who's that Pokemon with Bam Bam Bigelow? He'd be. I think it's Magmar. Yes. Yeah, the like fire dragon thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sound but more confident in your. <laughs> I don't remember all the names of the Pokemon. I have a very specific image of him in my head, but this is a podcast. Yes, I'm thinking of Magmar. Although Magmar, Magmar usually is more. I guess Bam has different colors of his gear. Bam wears a lot of black. But he had like this big fire. Yeah. Kind of whatever on him, and he also went with the combination short sleeve deep V. Yes. Awful. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's my fashion critique. Again, this match is Bam Bam Bigelow versus Scott Hall. Why? Great question. Don't both these men hate Goldberg? Yeah, shouldn't they be allies? Yes, and I think that was why we liked Raw so much. I, I was really thinking about what... Because it wasn't a great episode of Raw. But in comparison. But every match had something going on. Yeah. And you can very clearly figure out the storyline. Yeah, and like there was a reason, be it loose in some instances, but like something happened. Yeah, here it's just like okay, what, why, why are why are these two fighting? Why? And like I think that's that's probably inevitably part of the reason why people transferred to WWF and why WCW died. They were more engaging. Yeah, commentary is still not sure if Bam Bigelow was signed. They're like, I don't know, is he? He's been wrestling. Yeah, no, I, I think we've just kind of forgotten about that storyline. Yeah. Finish of the match. Bigelow hits a vertical suplex and Disco Inferno comes out w- with the stun stick. I'm done with the stun stick. Wrath then comes down to interfere, but Bam Bam Bigelow pushes him off the, the top rope. The ref gets distracted by either that or Disco, I forget which, and Hall uses the stun stick on Bigelow, who's going for a pile driver, and gets the win. Hall and Disco go to the back together, and I guess no one was the face. Yeah, I don't fucking know. I need this stun stick to go away. Yes. Bam Bam did not get spray painted, though, so he lucked out. You know the ideal ending of the sold out stun stick on a ladder matches? Are you... I I worry you're going to say that Goldberg just stuns him to death. No. Bring the wood chipper back. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> oh, for the stun stick. I for Scott Hall. I <laughs> for Scott Hall. Oh, my God. I know you don't like Scott Hall either. I'm not going to put a human through the wood chipper. Listen, I referenced I... Fargo earlier. I wasn't sure. Oh, my God. I hate the stun stick. I want the stun stick gone. Put it in the fucking wood chipper. Jesus Christ. Let's try to move on from that. From the idea of murder. Yeah. We get a... Uh... We go back to the Goldberg interview. 
He says he isn't impressed by Nash and calls Hall a loser. But he says he was surprised by Lex Luger. Hmm. Class begins on Sunday. Don't be late. It's a good line. It wasn't, though. <laughs> he didn't really set it up enough in this. No, I don't know. And he so comes cool. back to it in the next one. And I'm like... <laughs> Also, Goldberg saying, don't be late. I'm like, okay, pal. <laughs> True. Fair. <laughs> Me, meet me in the ring two minutes before the show goes off the air. Don't be late. Oh, God. During the break, apparently Bam Bam Bigelow and Wrath had a thing backstage, so they'll face off on Sunday. They didn't show it. They just kind of say, oh, yeah, they were fighting backstage. So how many matches is that now? Would that be four, four or five? Four, because four. Norman Smiley versus Chavo did not actually get booked. Okay, that's just an assumed match. Yes. We have four official matches. With the presumption of a fifth. Yes. We then get a flashback clip, which I had to have you turn away from, because it was Nash trying to powerbomb the Giant a few years ago, and instead just oh. dropping him on his fucking neck. I get squishy. Yeah, it looked... It looked dickheaded-ish. Yeah. Like, I get really squishy. I, there, there's no other way to put it squishy about in-ring injuries. Like broken bones, dislocated shoulders, literally anything that you can like tell that they are injured, I cannot watch. Relatedly, we just got to the episode of SmackDown where Brock does the powerbomb to Bob Holly. Oh, and, yeah. But that one almost kind of makes more sense because they're like fucking up the rotation. Nash just seems to kind of try once and just, I didn't get it, and just fucking drops yeah. him. It's like, it doesn't look like Nash tries at all to fucking yeah, try no, to save him. Yeah, I, I strongly rely on your encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling to know when to look away. I appreciate it. I think it's the last WCW pay-per-view. It's one of the last two is one of the worst injuries ever, and I think they cut it out of the network. It is horrendous. What part of him gets broken? His leg. Oh, no. He goes for a diving big boot. Oh, God. Do you remember the football injury where his foot went the way that the foot was not supposed to go? Uh, I believe Emily is referring to Dak Prescott. Oh. Uh, I got to hope it's only a cramp. <laughs> his foot was going the wrong way. We, we, we got to break that out. Anytime someone gets terribly injured in WCW and it's visible, just got to hope <laughs> it's only a cramp. cramp. Oh, God. All right. We're in, we're nearing the end, and we have our semi-main event. Kurt Hedding versus Ric Flair. There is no blading in this one. We tried to do time yeah, to blade. I wrote down a time for time to blade. What, what was your guess? 3.20. I had 6.03. I assumed oh. it was going to go for a little while. I did not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's not a lot going on in this match for a while. A lot of stalling, a lot of chops. But they have Barry Windham and David Flair ringside. Yeah, Barry Windham comes down pretty early, and then David Flair comes down to kind of counter his presence. So I had to, like, double-check with you that David Flair is the one that becomes a wrestler. Yes. He has no charisma. No. That man has no personality. There is nothing to David Flair. Yes, we'll see him a fair bit in WCW. Jeez, I think we may have saw his only match in WWE, because he gets... He like kind of got the shit kicked out of him by the Undertaker, and then I think he goes to develop metal. I don't think he really goes on to do anything to note. Because like you could be a good wrestler, but if you have no personality, like you're not sellable. Yeah, there. It is an unfair metric to compare him to his dad. I know a lot of second generation superstars kind of have that issue. Yeah, kind of example is Mr. Perfect Son. 
Who's Mr. Perfect's son? Uh, you may know him either by Curtis Axel or Michael McGillicuddy. I've heard both of the names. Yeah, so obviously wasn't as good as dad, but like, Jesus, compared to compared to David Flair, Curtis Axel is Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and like you can still have a good run and have a different kind of career. And sometimes it just means taking weird paths. Like you've heard of the wrestler IRS. Yes. His two sons are Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. Oh, yeah. You told me this. And it's just like a, yeah, it's a very different career than your dad. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the issue is when you are trying to be your dad. Now, do you think that um, Charlotte benefits from that or does that hurt her? She has the entrance and the gear and her finisher is close, but her character isn't trying to be Ric Flair. I don't get the limousine ride and jet flying, wheeling, dealing. No, no. She's a little more serious, I think. Yeah. She is the queen. <laughs> so after they both come down, they go to throw to commercial and Tony's like, we have the tape machines running, like, you know, just in case the match ends. And Bobby Heenan chimes back, but no one's running the machines. <laughs> With all of the urgency of the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> He is so concerned and upset. It's like, as he says it, it cuts to commercials. So it's just like, but no one's running the machines. Cut to commercial. We had, a, we had to pause. We had a good laugh. That was really funny. <laughs> Back from commercial, uh, heading locks in the figure four. Flair manages to get out with an eye poke. <laughs> we get a blatant low blow from Flair on the outside, which I had as our bad call of the night. Oh, okay. Because it was not Charles Robinson. It was not the guy who blatantly f- favors Flair. So I'm like, mm, you should have lost for that. Mm-hmm. Also, it's a lower stakes match where it's not going to fucking, you know, ruin Ric Flair's life if he gets DQ'd. And it's like, well, you low blowed Eric Bischoff, so now you're homeless. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Flair suplexes Hennig from the apron into the ring. Hennig then gets tossed back to the outside and Wyndham just clotheslines David Flair. Because David, at this point, is kind of just awkwardly wandering around Kurt Hedig, like Yeah, so the same urgency that commentary had, David does not. Yeah. There is no urgency in this boy. His hand, his arms are, like, down by his side. He's just pacing back and forth. Mouth is just, like, ever so slightly agape. He has the same look on his face the entire match. There's nothing happening behind those eyes. Back in the ring, Flair gets Hedig in the figure four. And Wyndham comes in for, to cause the DQ, which, is that fair? Is that called to be called a DQ? That's fair to be a DQ, yes. Okay. Sometimes it varies with you. No, it varies with the refs. No, it varies with you whether or not you cause a DQ or be a no contest. Even I don't know at this point. Yeah, because basically the same thing happened with Rey Mysterio trying to earn number one contendership. And you were like, it, no, it... it it was I it was a draw. That should have been a no contest. That this was, is that... the same finish. No. This is the exact same I finish. Don't think so. Anyway, I think you're wrong. David just stays on the outside as the two of them get the heat on Flair. <laughs> I don't think he knows where he is. Until they both go to like bounce off the ropes, and then he grabs their ankles, and they both trip. He then grabs a chair and heads inside, and they bail. And I, I think I had the best description of he is a charisma vacuum. Yeah, I said he has the ringside persona of a two by four. Listen, Hacksaw Jim Duggan made that shit work. <laughs> See, that's the issue. He's teaming with Flair, not Hacksaw. <laughs> this was in 
It was an all right match. I liked it, actually. Yeah. The, of the matches of the night, I think once, I like this one. Once they came back from commercial, it, it worked a lot better. The first half of it was a little bland, but it's it's flair and headache. It's going to be hard yeah. to get a bad match out of them. Because we haven't had a lot of great matches this episode. Like, this one was actually pretty entertaining. I yeah. like this one. We then get our final Goldberg interview of this night, although I think he does continue to go on and cut a couple of these on Thunder as well, I kind of okay. saw in the next episode. Goldberg says he's always been about who's next, but now it'll be who's left. Oh, ominous. Says to Scott Hall, you're first, and don't be late. <laughs> don't be late. We then, right before the main event, get the Nitro Girls one more time. Main event, Michael Buffer time. Giant comes out to the NWO music again. To which, I, like, here he definitely should not have used that, considering he's like... No, you're right. This point he should not have. Break out the dungeon music. But at the same time, the Giant's leaving soon, so they're not gonna fucking... They don't give a shit about, about the music. No. Nash comes out with Scott Hall. And they mention here, because we were concerned about this... Which is the first time in all this fucking build that it is going to be WCW sold out, not NWO sold out. Yes. Thank God. Oh, my God. Because when you told me a while back that sold out was generally an NWO pay-per-view. Yeah. I was. This is the first one. This. Apparently last year would have been NWO as well. Okay. They didn't fucking mention that until right now. No. It's the, the main event of match. the go home <laughs> Nitro. Uh, oh <laughs> Who's on their marketing team? This match is exactly what you think it is. Yeah. Close your eyes, picture it. It's that. 95% of this match is in the corner. Oh, I predicted that when they were doing the Michael Buffer. I was like, this is going to be a lot of corner work. I can feel it. I think I got a little more annoyed at that previous powerbomb clip because... Kevin Nash scoop slams the giant super easily. Like, it doesn't look like it's strenuous at all. Mm. Which also, fucking sell that he's heavy. Yeah, like, he's still the giant. Yeah, like, Just sell it. you're also big. Like, yeah. like, yeah, John Cena, anytime he fucking picks up the giant, looks like he's about to take three shits. Right. And every time, they're like, oh my god, I don't know if he can do it. It's like, he's done it before. Every sure. time he comes into a Royal Rumble, how are they going to get him over the rope? He's so big. That's why, that's why he's won every Royal Rumble. He's so big. That's why, that's why he's going to win the 2021 Royal Rumble. <laughs> How are you going to get him out of the ring? Nash is working over the Giant, and I'm like, Giant seems fucked up. I don't know if it's because he's gassed, if he's concussed, or or if it's just the fact that he doesn't give a shit. But like, mm. he just looks out of it and like isn't really selling for a lot of the shit. He just looked like he wasn't there. He, like, he looked knocked out. That's why I'm like, was he concussed? Mm. I mean, he does for a bit until he makes his comeback. I'm like, oh, you look fine now. Because... Wonder Hall comes, winded. yeah. Hall comes in at one point, and Giant fights him off, and he's like, "Oh, you now look awake." Giant squashes them in the corner, and then does some butt sex moves, <laughs> which is just him like grabbing the ropes and just thrusting his ass backwards into Hall and Nash. It's kind of weird. Yeah, we need to find a better term for that than butt sex. Moves. No, that, that's what we're gonna call. I don't like that <laughs> veto. Giant then choke slams Hall. Nash then grabs the wrench, as previously mentioned, from under the ring. And like, Bischoff planted that there. It's like, there's fucking tools under the ring. Like, it's not that rare. You know, in one of those, like, hardcore matches where they lift up the ring apron and there's all that shit under the ring that they can use? 
Yeah, because yeah. also, like, if the ropes somehow get loosened during a match, the ring crew, oh, yeah. like, needs tools there to tighten them up. It's not unheard of that things are under the, the ring. Yeah, but it's like, oh, my God, like, oh, my God, the blue handle, the tape blue handle that Bischoff had earlier. It's like... Did we see the blue handle? Yes. Okay, I didn't... It wasn't... It, it wasn't obvious. No, it was just like, it's a wrench. It's I have a wrench that has a fucking red handle. I don't... <laughs> I'm not in the NWO. I don't know. So he uses it in pretty clear view of the ref mm. and knocks out the giant and gets the pin. Doesn't, yeah, it was... doesn't pick him up for any sort of cool move, just single wrench shot. Yeah, it wasn't really much of a match, honestly. It's pretty underwhelming. Suddenly, Eric Bischoff is standing around at commentary. Oh, yeah, where the hell did he come from? I don't know. <laughs> they imply that he was involved. Well, because he planted the wrench. Yeah. Obviously. Half, you see the blue tape? Yeah. Half the roster, a.k.a. the NWO, come out. <laughs> yeah. Hall stun sticks the giant, who is pretending to be knocked out, so it's an odd mix of selling. And they spray paint him. Get rid of the stun stick. Bye-bye, Big Show. That's our last Big Show appearance. So that was the go-home Nitro. sad to say. For sold out. That slog that we just went through for the last, what, two hours? That's what was supposed to get us excited and getting us wanting to buy pay-per-view tickets. Would Oof. you Would you now like to... I will yield the floor to you to complain about the NWO. Let me just go back and read the rant that I wrote. It's not horribly long. So, like I said, during the Rey Mysterio Kaz Hayashi match, I... As soon as Lex Luger came out, I just started writing down a fucking fire of words and just anger. So basically what I wrote is just, this is the part where I'm really trying to get sick of this, which is the NWO. I'm sick of the fucking NWO. I don't think that's a secret anymore. Um, at this point, we had just had an NWO segment and an, an NWO segment prior to that. And an NWO segment, like, after this, like, right after this. So... We have this nice cruiserweight match with two cruiserweight champion people, not champions, with two cruiserweight people that have potential to be something really good. Like, if you gave Kaz Hayashi an actual match, he could be good, but they won't give him the airtime because they're so obsessed with pushing the NWO. These people are not likable. They're not fun, love to hate villains. Every time they come out, it's old, it's repetitive. It's not fun. It's just annoying and stupid. And at this point, I still thought that sold out was an NWO thing. But I can't even think, knowing what I know, that the fucking pay-per-view would be passable and be well done. Why is this Why is this what they hung their hat on, marketing-wise? Why is this the group of people that they chose to be their be-all end-alls? just don't understand i want to meet with somebody from a marketing standpoint from 1999 who worked on this show i want to know what was happening in their mind i just can't imagine it doesn't make any fucking sense to me i'm back what did i miss get fucked you heard me you weren't that far i think a lot of it is just that there's no comeuppance there's there's very limited comeuppance there's no justification there's no little guy winning. It's just a big group of bullies that just keeps getting bigger. And there's no way to defeat them. And that's not fun. There's not even a glimmer of hope of defeating them. Like, I understand that in, you know, if you're writing a movie, like, there's that, like, 
I can't remember. I don't, there's a term for it, but there's like a, all Dark, hope is lost. Dark Knight of the Soul. Yes. That, yeah, you're supposed to be like, oh, you know, I'm hopeless. Like, there's nothing that's, that can be done now. But, oh, there's this, there's this light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe. There's not even that with the NWO. There is no one on the roster right now that I can think of that will be the, the knight in shining armor. Maybe Goldberg, but he already got his ass kicked. And they already did it with Sting. Like, they did that whole storyline that you just described with Sting. And then it's like, oh, we got to build the NWO back up. But, yeah. All right. Let's try to wrap it. And the problem is I know that this isn't anywhere near being done. Like you said, we have like 180 episodes slated. So No, NWO will die and come back multiple times before we're done. Yeah, that's not okay. I don't want that. Anyway, sorry. Thank you for letting me have my little soapbox. No problem. Uh, match the night MVP? Um, so my bits sorry yeah best best bits best not bits. match of the night thank you best bit of the night mvp i gave it to the flare hunting match i agree yeah it was the most entertaining match that we had so yeah, i mean it wasn't anything special but it was yeah it was actually pretty good mvp <laughs> so my real answer i'm giving it to flare mostly for the atlanta office scene just because like i love a good fuck you but my joke answer is Raven for being smart enough to not be here. <laughs> I, think, I think we joked like Raven doesn't even know about the finger poke team. Raven doesn't know. <laughs> what are yours? Uh, yeah, I gave my best bit to Flair versus Hennig. And I gave my MVP to Goldberg. I liked his promos. His and promos. Yeah, I, I thought Flair was fine during a lot of this night. I didn't think he really stood out at all. I really just liked the, the like, fuck you to Bischoff. So I give him credit for that. All right. And that was episode 10 of the Butts and Seeds podcast. We made it 10 episodes. And we'll have to see how many more will make it because uh, this past week, the WWE Network was purchased by Peacock and they will be slowly bringing everything over or quickly. I don't know how how the timeline on that. So we'll see. We'll keep doing them. We still have like a month and a half, two months. We'll kind of like stockpile, I think. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll make it work. And if we hit a point where we're waiting for stuff to come up, we'll try to find other avenues or we'll do some fun bonus episodes. Yeah. And I think that moving forward, I think that we should make the uh, shot at the beginning of the episode and every 10 episodes thing. Maybe. I think we should. You want to do a lemon drop that often? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't so bad. It was just sour. I'm just used to the really sugary ones that we get at the college bars. So next up is Sold Out, uh, in which we have four, four, maybe five matches booked right yeah. now. And we'll see what else shows up there. I don't have high hopes for it. I'm nervous about Scott Hall versus Goldberg. Because Goldberg should absolutely win. But he won't. He should, he should absolutely win. He should, but he won't. Well. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see it sold out. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod and give us a follow on Spotify as well. Until then, I've been Nick. I've been Emily. Are you still Emily though? Are you still Nick? Because you said I've been Nick. <laughs> Find out next time on the Butts in the Seeds podcast. <laughs>